Welcome to Team Rabbit Hole Edition 189 with Wayne Mathias, beautiful disaster. Join the team as we catch up with our San Francisco friend Wayne, who has recently had a spiritual emergency or a breakthrough, what he has gleaned from the experience, near-death experiences, and whatever else comes up, serves up. Welcome once again, Wayne. Hey, it's great to be back. Hi, Jim. Hi, Raphael. It's, you know, hope you're having a pleasant Sunday. It ain't bad. Uh, this is kind of a last minute adjustment. The other, like last night or the night before, you're like, hey, I've got the week off. Uh, I'd love to come on. So I was like, let's try to make it happen. And here we are, magic in a hat, mm -hmm. as they say, rabbit, rabbit coming out of the hat. Um, so you know how we do on this episode or the episodes, although we don't do galactic heritage right now. We're doing Angel Cards, Raphael's doing, but um, the major arcana of 189, the episode, is going to be 9, which is the Hermit card, um, ironically enough. But the alien in this deck, I bring back knowledge from distant places. Ooh, alien, oh, you're right, synchronistic already. <laughs> alien or Hermit card is saying, know your worth, you are perfect the way you are, be free, seek answers within you, go deeper and understand more of the universe, take time to do something you've never done before. Raphael, what would the Angel card be? So we have angel number three, the angel Sitael, uh, the angel of construction of the universe. And this time I'm just going to read some different paragraphs. So here it says, virtue and integrity, the union of your mind, heart and action, working in harmony with one another. You have the ability to envision new possibilities long before they become a reality. New business ventures will prosper with the right teammate, someone willing to give you assistance, a creative partnership. You can receive the help you need from someone knowledgeable. Indicates the potential commencement of an enterprise. Your foundation is firm and work can be fearlessly continued. Well, there's mm. a lot more here, but uh, I'm just going to leave it at that for now. So, yeah. What say you? So, yeah, Wayne, uh, out of the wow, hermit wow. slash alien or that angel, um, what say you? <laughs> I tell what you, resonates? man, it's like, I tell you, I, all of it. Okay, so it's just a matter of, you know, which one, which uh, uh, pathway do you want to take up the holy mountain, you know? Um, they all get there. It's just, a one, you know, different scenery on the way. Um, as far as how I identify with, you know, the the situation i'm in and the cards you just pulled and the world as it is uh i you know uh, a phrase i could use that would come in that comes in handy just for kicks is uh you can think of me as a multi multi dilution multi delusional secret agent here to save the world okay <laughs> and, and and you can be part of my posse and you know that's Really, um, that's almost like a Robert Anton Wilson uh, approach to uh, conspiracy, where you can make your own conspiracy, and it's uh, it'll be the kind that helps transform the world. Why not? You know, we're thinking big here. In other words, um, but and and the truth is is that big things sometimes have very small beginnings. 
And so really, I wouldn't dismiss any of it. And, uh, you know. Well, it's funny because the hermit card is like in the cave, right? And we're all kind of, mm -hmm. I mean, I think you're locked down in San Fran, kind of doing uh -huh. your hermit card mode. But also the fact that it's the alien card, I know that uh, spiritual breakthroughs um, can be both disconcerting and very alienating uh, to mm -hmm. the general public when they might not be grokking what you're picking up in terms of the pink, you know, serious <laughs> beam or whatever uh, kind yeah. of stuff. So I do appreciate, though, um, that you feel – it's funny because the Robert Anton Wilson thing, I think, on one hand is like – I wouldn't go as far as saying it's a coping mechanism uh, in a negatively polarized, um, cynical way. But I think that's a way we can make uh, life more digestible is to try to find the cast and characters which we can inter actually interact with, you know, that we resonate mm. with. And it seems um, to build coalitions of the willing <laughs> – so to speak. Um, and that's what secret societies have been. That's what, I mean, we're social by nature. Um, but just because you pop out in a cave with a family or whatever, you know, whatever it is, uh, the biological kind of history of humanity doesn't mean you always resonate with them. Uh, ultimately I think we are one thing, consciousness experiencing itself through a multiplicity of kind of eyes or whatever. But, um, it seems that, you know, bifurcations on the branch, like some branches relate better or more, more closely, I guess you could say, to other branches. Um, so it is important to find kind of tribe in that sense. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing about being any kind of a, a human being uh, living in the world of duality, it's, it's one of those things that it's like trying to understand a very complex video game that actually has some very simple principles underlying it. It's just... Uh, you know, you can get caught up in the details and the terminology. And, but once you start boiling it down to, oh, what seems to be true regardless, you know, <laughs> and, and um, can I see it over and over again reflected in the world I inhabit? Because, you know, you probably have heard of the term simulation theory, uh, which has been, you know, it's had some traction lately among the high tech crowd thinking of philosophically, for them anyway, that we may, we may all be living inside a vast simulation, you know, uh, kind of like the Matrix, right? And then you start going riffing on that whole Matrix mythology. Um, it's and funny, actually, I just actually, saved a meme of Bart Simpson and Lisa Simpson trying to run away from each other. Uh, I think oh. maybe Raphael saw this, um, but one of them is labeled the reality is a simulation, and the other one says the universe is a conscious living being. And it's uh, like, uh, uh, pick a side. Uh, but yeah, simulation theory is something we talk a lot about a lot. I think that's a kind of a materially reductionistic um, I mean, uh, way. Jim, or Go ahead, Raphael. Yeah. Maybe someone listening could just, because I think it's a great meme in a sense, but just expand it with like a third section, which says... Both. Reality, <laughs> yeah, in a sense, which says um, consciousness or the experience of life is a simulation created within consciousness to experience itself subjectively or whatever, you know. So yeah. because there is a third, there is a third point, and yeah, I mean, I don't have too much patience with people literally thinking we're in like a technological simulation. I'm really <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. you know, they've watched too much, like you said, Matrix. I mean, it's it's Rick totally. <laughs> As I was like, yeah, as I like to say, it's totally a matrix, but it's more like the they live kind, at least up till now, than the, the matrix kind. Although, I guess, you know, 
Um, some would well envision a future where the Matrix, as depicted in the movie, could also be a reality on this planet. You know, I'm like for sure. Well, it is with like altered, not, on, uh, not on my watch. Yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. kind of there. Facebook, the internet. I mean, you kind of come into these sub realities. I mean, entertainment is that at a level. This is where it gets really weird. It's like the imagination yeah. is kind of a Matrix, but then there's an yeah. artificial version versus like an organic one. Yeah, um, picking up where you where you are right uh, as far as. Um, worlds within worlds. We've seen this reflected in the pop culture numerous different ways. I mean, you could talk about the Truman Show. You could talk about Inception. Men um, in Black, the ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the question then, or Total Recall, all the Philip K. Dick stories uh, where someone is not sure if they're really in reality or not. You know, and people that, you know, uh, have been other people independently have been exploring the same themes that Philip K. Dick has been was doing his, most of his career, and um, I'm now convinced that yes, there really is a you could say this is all made of consciousness, and even within that, there is also what you might call um, uh, an ecosystem of consciousness in which there are different discrete beings. They're not just all in your mind, you know, you, Jim, you, Raphael. They're not just figments of your imagination. They actually do have their own kind of existence within. And you're part of that. You see, if you t take a look, you know, just sort of gaze out into the garden or the forest or wherever you happen to be and realize, oh, yeah, this whole constellation of life forms and relationships of energy exchange going on between the environment and all the creatures around around me i'm part of that too and and as you go deeper and deeper into it you start seeing all those patterns you know the fractals um and it starts reminding you oh yeah oh yeah here i am again you know and then you know and it's you could view it as a trap or you could view it as your consciousness playground you could view it as your battlefield. You could view it as the new Garden of Eden, if you're really ambitious. And these days I am. So I am looking very clearly towards tomorrow. And when I think about the subject of timeline navigation, which I started basically automatic writing about prior to my hospitalization, um, I take it seriously. I mean, you should give played. us some context. So you were saying this happened like a week or so, like a little more, a little less than two weeks ago around Thanksgiving. Kind of set yeah, up yeah. what was going on in your world. Uh, your automatic yeah. writing—that's a pretty big deal. Raphael might have some thoughts on that because he channels. So tell us, kind of, you know, you are a Scorpio, <laughs> so yeah. season. Apparently, uh, Pluto is part of the 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 goings on in terms of conjunctions, not just Jupiter and Saturn. But anyway, I don't want to digress onto into astro weather. Um, as far as the timeline of how what happened to me over the, the holiday weekend, we're talking about Thanksgiving week. Um, I actually spent Thanksgiving in the hospital, um, basically recovering from what they would call a, a manic episode. That's the uh, that's the terminology which, of course, is based on the whole idea that there's some kind of disorder here. Something's the matter, and whether you want to call it um, some fault in the wiring, uh, the brain chemistry, yada, yada, it's, and we have to correct this somehow with 
Um, angelic visitation <laughs> who knows yeah so yeah hold, hold, so you know back. we'll get to the um yeah, consequences get, get, of the get matter in, but prior but, prior to yeah, the yeah, hospitalization I, that's when things really started getting interesting we're talking about basically november um since my birthday being in november and the uh second anniversary of my mother's passing was also in november uh and you know you know, it's 2020. Holy cow. Heavy times. Know? Big serve. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I could say that um, if there was ever a year in which uh, I would be undergoing some kind of uh, transformation, it would be this one. Duh. So um, as it happened, I was forming a what I would call a working relationship with my inner guru. Uh, when I refer to inner guru, I'm referring to, you know, what you might call that little voice inside you which really is um, actively trying to help you out if you can listen. You know what I'm talking about. It's like you, but uh, way more clued in, way more woke than you are in your, you know, little old you are in your everyday life. Now, it's not very hard for me. It wasn't hard for me to form that work relationship in the sense of uh, going, oh, this is, important i think i better start taking notes and of course i was taking copious notes um, and some of which is very helpful for my creative work because i'm a screenwriter and you know i've got a project in in the works right now um the um the process of working with my inner guru uh, or uh, my higher self to use that new agey term um shifted from having a kind of like a uh, surprise visitor in the middle of the night interrupting my sleep, kind of like having Kramer barge into the Seinfeld's apartment, <laughs> um, to something that was a little more copacetic in terms of working with my daily routine. It was a little more like, rather than having the strain, this, this weird but very fascinating stranger uh, come in unannounced, it's more like he became my roommate. And then uh, I could... Basically, was there anything you the, did consciously to make that occur, or was it kind of natural process for you? Now that's an interesting question because you know I don't think um, I was consciously uh, trying to make that happen. Um, I did see that I wanted my own my own personal wish, which I'm sure was heard, was that I would like this relationship to be less disruptive in the sense that you know I can still do my day job. And I can, you know, set aside some time to just, you know, take care of myself, eat and sleep and play like a regular human being. And uh, I think that channels probably have found their own routine of, you know, the, the way that they segregate the whatever entity they're channeling from their personal, you know, their everyday persona. That works for them. I don't really have any such routine to to transition from from little old me to the you know the turbocharged version and i think that that might have been part of why i sort of um departed from controlled flight as they say in in aeronautic terms um because after all if you land in the hospital it's usually because you were doing something unskillful that attracted attention from people who figured, oh, this person is clearly not really, they're not really on the same page with the rest of, of with us. And 
Well, John Maybe. the Baptist seemed like a fucking insane person, but he was ushering in the Christ. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, yeah. he was chilling out in the riverbed with like, you know, eating locusts and honey and in a sackcloth or whatever, if, uh, according mm-hmm. to that story. So, I mean, I, I don't think, you know, normalcy, let's put it this way. Um, I think Pascal, Blaise Pascal might have written something on the side of his jacket. He's a mathematician and talking about like this one night he had like this manic episode, basically. It's like the fire, unqu- I can't quote it. I'll have to look it up uh, in yeah. a minute. Yeah. But basically just be like, whoa, zowie. Oh my gosh. Like, you know here's a moment so it's hard because i don't know if uh people especially if they're kind of not and it's no offense because this gets tricky it's like we're all one thing anyway but it's like if some people aren't anywhere near that level of uh experience and it's not like a hierarchy of like you're better they're worse it's more just like if Uh you're uh, like i've had a mushroom trip back in high school when i ate a bunch of mushrooms instead of my friends and all of a sudden i started becoming more manic and i was like i'm orange and you guys are like green or blue uh, I need to go run, and like I basically like took off my shoes and I got my friend to drive his car for some dumb reason in our street and see how fast the human body could run. So it's like oh now God. that's pretty manic, but it's like it yeah. was fun and interesting, and at the same time uh-huh. it's like I wasn't expecting others to be on that wave, and they kind of knew I was in that headspace. Mm-hmm. So anyway, kind of okay. I did. Uh, we'll get. Uh, you keep jumping over to the uh, you know the psych ward part of it, but I'm like build. Okay, so you're doing. Automatic writing. <laughs> like, how, well, not okay. so much automatic writing. Is that I, I was conscious of what I was doing. It was simple. But I was performing at a way, way higher level than even I thought I was capable of. Have you ever you seen know, Fantasia? Have uh, you seen well, you Mickey the- Mouse and the uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice? It's like if someone walks in on Mickey Mouse, like causing huge waves and brooms to do crazy shit. Like when magic mm-hmm. starts getting enacted, if so, that's what I'm yeah. kind of saying. If someone walks in on magic, I mean, I don't want to discredit all mental health issues as magic misinterpreted, but it seems right. like you had an intention, and it seems most. like you were kind of. Uh, yeah, I, I would say most, right? Um, I mean, I guess, the, you know, and it gets tricky, like the person trying to, like, kill someone because, you know, they think they're a dog, you know, some, uh, right, some are right. Sam shit. It's kind of weird, but that's more like maybe demonic, equal opposite polarity of the warlock situation going on. Anyway, um, I'm not meaning yeah, to cut you off, I, but, like, kind of I, tell no, me. No, no, I process. get you. I get you. Well, you see, um, as a creative person, um, it is one of the things I do quite naturally, almost without even sometimes it's effortless and that's usually best when it's effortless is that stories come out of me and I don't always know where they come from. Sometimes I will find out after the fact, you know, if I, if I, if I look at it, you know, step back from it. Um, and, uh, synchronicities occur that way too, because, you know, you might've heard of the phenomenon of the magic typewriter where, um, a writer, let's say might, uh, create something, that seems to be completely out of his own imagination. And yet it also somehow eventually synchronizes with something going on in the person's outer world. And that will definitely bake your noodle if it happens often enough or um, strongly enough. And um, well, that happened to me. It's more, probably more than one occasion, but as far as the most immediate um, you know, this pat these past few weeks, as far as what has been going on, um, the writing part that uh, especially the stuff I did at Rune Soup, um, which turned out to attract a lot of t- positive attention, I had to do with reality maps. Now, we may have talked about reality mapping, um, in passing, uh, in, in our uh, previous conversations, Jim, uh, but 
I started to realize, you know, the penny dropped basically that that our ability to articulate our our reality map allows us to actually affect it. Our our ability to influence it is in large part dependent upon our ability to un, you know to express it. If you can't imagine it, if you can't conceive of it, you probably can't do a whole lot about it, in other words, to summarize. Um, and one of the aspects of contacting my inner guru that proved to be not well, not just a thought exercise, but actually something really quite helpful for getting oriented. Uh, as a as a co-creator, hope, hope, Wayne, is there a plane on. going behind you? Yeah, yes, there is okay. an airplane. Just let well, it let pass. that pass. Yeah, I was like, uh, either you're turning into a robot or uh, yeah. that's happening. Yeah. So, um, while it's, I, it's I like where you're spreading gone. this. All right, cool. Um, yeah, I just want to make sure that we're on the same page. Um, creativity and madness are not that far, you know, apart in a sense. Whatever madness, I mean, people like you know, these things are like cousins in a sense because the right. imagination you know to be able to like you're saying to be able to, it's weird because it's like and i'm curious what Raphael thinks because it's like there are subconscious maps that you have that you don't know you have that you kind of go off of uh, this gets it you know imprinting from childhood like you know all sorts of crazy levels of stuff genetic mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. cultural inheritances and then and then you play with those things but you're playing with them expands them simultaneously so, like, I mean, it's kind of like um, Robin Williams was in a movie called What Dreams May Come, which is a really fascinating film. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yes. like, the further he goes into that art world or whatever, you know, the eternity motif or whatever, the more varied it gets based off of his conscious and unconscious expectations, like his modeling. Bingo. Thank you. So I think we are, you know, it's um, as far as how to become, you know, the weird thing is, you see, I was. I feel these days like a lot of the Tibetan training that I'd gotten uh, decades ago is finally kicking in. And uh, it's almost like, yeah, it's like a, you had all these abilities, you didn't even know it, and now you're going to learn how to um, manage your superpowers, you know? And it's like, whoa, really? Yeah. So now that, that is not something that makes me more special. That's the most important part here is that I'm actually more interested in everybody else um, developing a, a working relationship with their inner gurus and unlocking their abilities, and thereby we can transform the world together, which I think would be way more interesting than simply somebody dictating to everybody, let's do it my way, you know, <laughs> which is clearly that hasn't worked very well in the past. <laughs> or it's worked as much as it's needed to. It's been efficient uh, at periods. I guess the causally necessary or whatever. I guess. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't even know. Like, I guess Rome had to happen. I guess Britain had to happen. I guess America yeah, has had to happen. Um, well, but now we're kind of getting to a place where sovereignty. Uh, it's. Inter- I mean, what's having to occur now is an adaptation from those norms, um, mm-hmm. and that's the kind of bifurcation. Dolores Cannon, who's a kind of a mystic from back in the day who's passed, was saying there was going to be. I don't know if she said this year, but soon, you know, post-2012, like a split, between, you know, kind of like two worlds simultaneously coexisting, almost like 1984, but instead of maybe like economic, although it might be reflected that way, economic kind of uh, differentiation, spiritual awareness differentiation. Like some people are going to be 
I mean, you can kind of see it. Some people are going more like, I want AI and I want vaccines and I want the government to tell me what to do. And, mm. then, you know, kind of like a lessening and a lessening of the grip of personal control and influence. And then other mm. people are like, I'm magical. I want to form, you know, clicks with people to do like drum circles and write books and make, you know, create, create, create. Like, mm -hmm. we want to be the um, kind of fire of God. So it's kind of like, there's going to be, it seems, two worlds co-occurring simultaneously and it's going to be probably very hard and up to artists and creatives to bridge that gap quite frankly because there's going to be a lot of people who are very turned on and woke spiritually and maybe not able to uh convey that stuff without sounding superior or whatever you know um to yeah, to yeah. the people who are more inclined to be like yeah give me the vaccine i want you know robots to do all the work um and then the people who are over there it's like you know we could probably, I mean, it seems uh, even on Bashar timelines, there's AI and stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how we all could right, angle. Right. As we're all like, <clears throat> number one, of course, I would say about past things, there's always explanations. Doesn't mean at all that we need to recreate it in any way, shape or form. That's the whole idea about getting into contact with your inner guru, I guess. And uh, we also had spoken about this recently, and I'm not sure because I think that we played it somewhere else at some point. I'm not sure who got it. So I have this... Um, let's say, cut together uh, from Bashar talking about the prophecies and what's, let's say, mm -hmm. in one reading he did at least, or actually several readings cut together, what's supposed to happen. And it starts with some prophecies about 9-11 and Fukushima, and then mm -hmm. gets into uh, 2017, so that's already three, three years past, and ascension mm -hmm. symptoms. So if you guys mm. would want to listen to that, we could do that as like maybe the mid track. That's like uh, six minutes or something. Yeah, sure. yeah, well, I'm up for it because uh, Bashar has been very helpful in my process. No, I'm no doubt about it. So, yeah, if you can like edit that just the, the key part down, that'd be great. Okay. So anyway, um, shall we continue about the whole thing about now, if we're if we're going to be playing, using our you know our knowledge and our ability um, for hopefully for positive purposes, do you think shall we talk about um, you know how we're going to how we could use this holiday period particularly because after all as we know we got this all this astrological tsunami stuff going on. I'll get into the astrology, and I do want to get into like what we can do but i'm still very curious about what your experience was i don't think we've really nailed oh, that down oh yeah yeah, yeah. i mean okay. i'm fascinated if there's any gaps you just i'm, I'm just message. trying to figure out, figure out. the yeah. thing is that you see i'm the one who went through it and so i'm not really sure what where the gaps are in the narrative that you're most start interested off with in you <laughs> right start now, everywhere <laughs> yeah there's, it's swiss cheese right now so like i'll, I'll just start uh, from the point of like november scorpio season was rather tough you were going through quite a bit of emotional turmoil yeah, personally yeah. for a lot of reasons and you decided I yeah guess, and yeah, then yeah. something weird started happening that got me out of the house and then got me the attention of the police and the paramedics is that that's that, you, you know brushed right by that what do you mean something weird like were you following voices were you seeing things did you just have an inclination yeah well you know you know there's a song by the b-52s you're you know your private idaho well you know i was in my own private idaho quite safe and sound in my own in my apartment by myself um i don't mind living alone my girlfriend is off in europe right now and obviously we she can't travel back here anytime soon um any case uh you know to the extent i was unskillful as a cosmonaut i took my private idaho outside 
into the larger so, world. What was the you map know? you were experiencing before you went outside? I mean, that's what. Well, I, I would say like... that I would say that um, I could ex because as you, as you know, I'm a writer and uh, do stuff like visionary science fiction. Uh, I, I could very very easily superimpose um, a kind of science fiction um, TV template upon uh, whatever I happen to be thinking about and um, whatever concerns I have in the, about the big world we're in. Now, the particulars, you know, almost doesn't matter what the particulars are. It's well, like, I could, it. say, I, could, I, could, I could say, like, for instance, for instance, I was thinking about Vulcans in Star Trek, and maybe there's some Star Trek series that I haven't really watched a lot of, like Discovery or something, where you do, I mean, does the, the Discovery got Vulcans in it? I'm pretty sure they do. I haven't seen it, but um, I know they have a spore drive. So there's mushrooms yeah, yeah. involved. <laughs> yeah. Well, in any event, uh, the th the story that was working out itself out in my, well, in my brain. Who knows where, where it all happens? Um, involved first contact, meaning a contact story between humankind and the aliens. In this case, in Star Trek canon, their first contact is with Vulcans, right? Okay, so. There's all this whole backstory that I was inventing about how the Vulcans, who were suspicious, there was a, like a faction of them that was really kind of like still kind of grappling with their fear of the unknown, meaning us, okay? Because we reminded them so strongly of the dark side of themselves that they had been able to suppress and here they were looking at us going, oh, no, here it comes again, you know, just in human form, right? And um, one of the uh, young um, Vulcans who was, uh, you know, part of this whole, you know, starship that was watching over us got the idea to do something on his own, completely unsanctioned by his authorities. He was going to try to intervene on our behalf so that we could make that first contract and not make ourselves look, you know, do something really stupid at a critical moment. It's kind of like, remember that film Arrival uh, with uh, Amy Adams, right? Did you see Arrival? Oh yeah, that's really good. Oh yeah, now there you, there you go. That is a first contact story. And she probably, I mean, she was going through a lot of emotional shit in her own life. And I'll send you a link um, actually to a really good analysis of that. I believe yeah. called um, Please by, do. Yeah, YouTube. It's like 20 minutes. There's this channel that does it's called like Stories of Old. Oh I guess man, like... I'm the one I'm the one who told you about that oh, channel. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Probably, so, probably props. Believe me, believe me. I I I would happily watch it again because it is that good. But anyway, it's actually based on the... a short story for the record. That, um, oh, by this yes, Chinese I heard guy about who wrote that. a bunch. You should get that book. I'll also do the title. Uh, anyway, so I will look, you were kind I'll of look a... it up. Yeah. So, in any case, I'm here. I am in my head, living out this Star Trek episode, basically, in which um, this young Vulcan um, decides to take matters into his own hands because he realizes that one of the problems is that there's a that Vulcans really have a have difficulty um, understanding us because we've you know we're kind of quirky we are we're emotional they're not we're, we're we have a we have a wacky sense of humor okay and you know we have this whole 
archetype called Florida man. And, you know, from their point, from the alien's point of view, we're like Florida man of the galaxy. Okay. <laughs> so, so, you know, what do you do with, with, with beings like that? If you think of yourself as so advanced and so rational and in control, and you're dealing with Florida man of the galaxy, what you're going to do? quite difficult. Yeah. yeah. So were you yeah. under the impression that you were, I mean, are you using this as an analogy or did you think you had some mission to go talk to Vulcan so you exited your apartment? No, actually, like actually they, there's a, there's a, I, I'm, I'm capable of doing kind of mashups of different uh, movies and TV and film archetypes. So I kind of blended it unconsciously with, with a big Lebowski. Okay. Now you may wonder how on like a child mixed walking into a movie. You know, it's I one mean, of the most quotable movies ever. It's one of my favorites. Good job. Oh uh, yeah. Well, you see, I gotta tell. I gotta tell you, is there are times when Big Lebowski or films like that almost feel like they're like, uh, like a, a hidden, uh, a secret code. And if you just under, once you're on a certain wavelength, the, the meaning of it becomes crystal clear, and you just start laughing, but on a whole nother level, you know. So um, I was. Now you remember a scene where uh, the dude has uh, decided he's got to visit this rich guy who also has the name uh, Lebowski, okay? The, 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 the old rich guy. And he actually shows up at the guy's mansion and kind of like tries to, you know, work the, the, the security keypad and talk to somebody and, you know, somebody let him in, et cetera, et cetera. And, well, it just happens, man. I live across the street from a huge mansion which is owned i think by one of these local high-tech moguls i mean you know we're talking about big tony stark level house perched on the side of a cliff okay that's the kind of house i'm talking about and i just happen to be living in some old apartment building across the also across the way and uh so i you know i went out in my basically dressed like uh, the dude in my robe and slippers thinking, Hey, this is just no biggie. I'm just going to go out there and, you know, hang out and, and see what happens. And I tried, you know, was there a mission? Like, did you say, yeah, well, you see like, you know, the, the multi delusional secret agent has multiple faces according to the situation. So, you know, I could be like the, the young Vulcan in that star Trek episode that I was inventing, or I could be the dude who's going to meet the, you know, the, the guy who's the other Lebowski, you know? And I somehow was able to mash up the two in my own head. And um, now naturally, I was hoping that someone in the mansion was going to let me in because I was pre fully prepared to have some kind of wild encounter. Again, Star Trek related having to do with um, Tomorrowland. By the way, Disney's Tomorrowland is part of the mashup, too. Um, Interesting movie about it's, it's very uh, yeah. multi-dimensional reality that's there, but you have to have a decoder ring, I think, to see it or something, almost yeah, like or, for those guys to see. It's also a, a way of describing the breakaway civilization, if one believes in it. It's kind of like, well, uh, is it there or isn't it? I don't know. But uh, to get back on track with this, the narrative of what was playing out out here in the street outside my apartment, um, I had luckily, or is it luck, or was it 
some consciousness guiding me so I couldn't really screw myself up too badly. I left my keys inside the apartment, but the apartment door itself was unlocked. I left that ajar so that I could theoretically get back in. But it was a leap of faith. I wasn't feeling like, oh, I'm feeling insecure because so I better be prepared if I'm going outside. No, I actually felt like it's all good. Whatever happens, it'll all be really, you know, at the very least, it'll be interesting. Now, as it turned out, I got no response at all from the big mansion across the street. But, but not even Mr. Uh, Burns' dogs. Released no, the no, 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 not even the, an assistant or a bodyguard or dogs or anything. It was just like, you know, maybe I was just too early in the morning or something. Anyway, so um, as it happened, somebody, uh, uh, um, someone from an apartment building across the street who I've never, never saw before, was uh, on her way to work, uh, getting in her car, you know, and I, here I am looking like some kind of vagrant in my robe and slippers here. And I'm kind of like, you know, and trying to enlist her aid in getting, you know, getting through to those people in the mansion. And it's like, she does not know. She just sort of starts to think this guy is a little cuckoo, right? And she was so naturally she, out of fear, she called the cops and the cops showed up, two of them. Luckily, this is a nice, what they call a nice neighborhood in San Francisco. And um, I didn't look obviously dangerous to anybody. So Good thing you're not black. I'm kidding. Yeah. No, seriously, that that is the truth, you know, in in America. So, but. As it it's a bummer she fucking party fouled. So, I mean, I hopefully didn't really freak her out, but I mean, it's. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't <laughs> think any lasting, honestly, I don't think any lasting harm was done because, you know, if you live in San Francisco long enough, you're probably going to have some kind of weird encounter. Right. I mean, Wayne, the right? only thing I was thinking is, uh, I mean, next time, just go down to hit Ashbury, you know, and. <laughs> Yeah, be the they're dude. Gonna, they're going to be know, applauding like, you it, and not going to call the police, you know, yeah, do, Exactly. I was thinking that the, the creative thing, the fun thing would be to, to actually cosplay as the dude, you know, the dude from another planet, okay? And then just walk through the park and just, you know, you know, little have a little subtle wave and a smile for folks. And if they call out, hey, dude, you know, who knows? You could have some beautiful encounters that way. So that's off. That's that's off in the future. One of the potential futures. But getting back to the immediate, the story of the moment, uh, the cops checked me out. They kind of like you know, because they could see. Okay, they're always in a position where they're having to evaluate somebody on the spot and decide what should we do with this guy. And they pretty quickly decided. Well, this is a medical thing. Let's go, you know, call the paramedics and have them take him away somewhere and get checked out. You know, maybe he's on drugs, maybe he's, you know, mental or whatever. But they kind of figured, and they probably reassured the the woman who, you know, maybe just she maybe she was a little late for work, but they probably reassured her that it's all fine. We're taking care of it, and you know, I'm sure from her position, you were like Sarah Connor. Or something like, let me into the mansion. You have the code. And she's like, what's going on, man? Like, yeah. I have no clue the yeah. dramatics here. That's why I'm kind of trying to get my yeah. head around it. Yeah. Um, uh, so, well, think of it. Think of it more as like the Big Lebowski kind of gone awry here, you know. And um, what day is it? <laughs> do you mind if I spark yeah, really, up here, really? kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. So, Raphael, I'm kind of curious. Do you have a job, sir? <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm just like, uh, this aggression will not stand is what you should have said to the cops, yeah. but whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, really. Raphael, I'm curious if you have any <laughs> thoughts about, because I've had one or two experiences um, where I was, at the time, actually reading Watchman Nee, who's a Chinese Christian uh, theologian from back in like the 1800s or something, back when uh, like Christianity was just getting to China. And... Um, or in a very specific way. And I was in Hawaii reading this book and I got compelled out of nowhere. I mean, I would say the spirit led me, but this sounds woo woo and stuff. And I was like, I guess I'm being told by something to go to the bus stop and see who's there and talk to them about Jesus. If there's someone there and there was a guy there. And so I was just mm. like, Hey, and I was, it's like, I was irked. I was weirded out by what was happening, but I went with it. So I'm kind of, mm -hmm. it sounds a little like that kind of experience. Raphael, what would your opinion or, you know, whatever uh, insights be on, what he's experiencing because obviously you're expecting contact and like higher dimensional breakdowns and stuff like that sure i mean in a sense even such episodes could be seen just as a almost normal part run. of the process especially because even just in general like psychological uh, and spiritual development in a sense i'm like as long as one is not scaring someone else too much or like you know attempting to hurt anyone i'm like you know always mm -hmm. go with it like sure why not because it's just like only because i'm in a different reality frame again as long as i'm not you know actively scaring someone or hurting someone mm -hmm. it's like whatever and then it's always interesting <clears throat> same thing could be at parties and so on it's always just a different just like this overton window in terms of what is politically correct there was always also like a reality uh, frame spectrum uh within what is acceptable in any given context and environment that's why i brought up hate ashbury you know where the result may mm -hmm. have been different because i mean i guess i've seen plenty of people there who may have needed theoretically you know psychological medical attention but there was no one was calling anyone on them and they weren't like you know screaming around or whatever and in your mm -hmm. but in, or even in your case like even if you i don't know it's, it's a matter of approach but just like you said it was out of fear actually that she had that response and that's mm -hmm. uh, where it led to. And so the only thing I would say then is if someone has these impulses or whatever, again, go with it as long as you're not hurting or scaring anyone and just take note that potentially you may come in contact with other collective realities who may have a very different interpretation and may even find you scary, even if you're not trying to be, even just because mm. you may be in your bathroom on the street, you know, which <laughs> is kind of ridiculous. But, you know, it people like get scared of all kinds of things. It sounds like how interacting is on acid for me or like psychedelics in public. It's like, I'm definitely yeah. not with y'all, but I'm going to have to engage with you. And hopefully like, I know mm -hmm. I'm always mm -hmm. like, Oh, my eyes look crazy. I'm sure you could tell my eyes are dilated. Oh my gosh. And no one probably <laughs> even notices. And in a weird way, and I'm not, right. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm trying to positively spin this because at some level it could have just been a manic episode, but in some other way, I feel like it, it's also, let's just say in a positively polarized spin, um, the universe testing to see what you're willing to do in a weird mm -hmm. way. So it's mm -hmm. like, you know, like uh, little is given to those without much faith. So if like you're willing, uh, who knows? Like maybe it's just a dry run intellectually well, where it's just like. The important question, of course, is just maybe in a sense to cut it short, if you may briefly mention like how long did you stay in what kind of ward then and what happened there or afterwards? Because, you know, oh, there's obviously some, some yeah. loot there, you know? <laughs> Yeah, well, um, my actual um, visit to actually there was more than one hospital because they I was originally picked up as a John Doe. They didn't have any I didn't have any money 
or ID or keys on me. And I, I don't know if they just decided, well, we'll take him to the nearest medical center, which, and then uh, luckily it was a nice place. It was recently built and good people in it. And so I spent one night there. That's the day before Thanksgiving. And then I got transferred uh, during the night, thinking that on the, on, under the, um, I was assured that there was actually going to be a room provided for me for uh, Thanksgiving because, uh, you know, then I would be released the next day if all went well. Well, uh, as it turned out, um, you know, I was basically trying to stabilize myself using my own kind of improvised spiritual exercises, some of which, which included movement, kind of like doing um, uh, like Tai Chi or yoga moves. Um, on you know because it was a, just basically a fairly empty, fairly uh, Spartan room. So I figured, why not use the opportunity, right? While I was there, just you know, doesn't didn't have anything to read, didn't have anything else to do, hardly anybody to talk about apart from uh, the, uh, the security people sitting outside. So um, while I and so I got transferred from one hospital to another the, the the second hospital which is the one that i have my um my medical plan with they oddly enough they didn't have a room or they decided after interviewing me that i didn't need to stay so they were ready to let me go that very night and it's like wait oh, nice. a, <laughs> wait a minute wait a minute it's like after midnight on thanksgiving and you're just gonna let me go home no, actually, I think I'd rather not, you know, with no keys, no money, no, you know, I've got a cell phone. Thank God I had a cell phone, but I had no keys, no money, no ID. And I'm not going to go like across town in San Francisco in the middle of the night. Come on. So they let me, luckily, I didn't even have to push very hard. They just understood. They let me sleep on the gurney. You know, they just sort of parked me in a corner with a curtain. And a uh, security person for that area, uh, not far away. And they just let me sleep on the gurney until the next morning. And uh, I was prescribed uh, some medication, which I, you know, I learned about um, soon after. Because after all, you know, there's lots of stuff you could if you have to learn about medications. If you're doing it, if you're using the muggles medicine, you know. Um, any case, I did get let go the morning after Thanksgiving. Uh, and I was, by this time I was given, um, what looked like hospital scrubs to wear instead of my, my dirty bathrobe and which was nice. Um, and I got, was given a Tax taxi at work. I was given a, I was also given a taxi ride home, you know, ta a taxi voucher. So I could, didn't have to walk all the way. Now there's still, per now here's the thing, interesting leap of faith coming up here. Um, because I didn't have my keys, now I could get, I could have indulged in fear at that point about how am I going to get back into my apartment? My girlfriend is not in town. Uh, I'll have to ask and, the neighbor across the street in the big house. I'm well, <laughs> not quite. No, 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 no. I mean, I was thinking about one of my neighbors who does know me, you know, who is living in the same building. And theoretically, either she or one of my other neighbors could either be coming out or going in. And I could all I've had to do is just wait and see what happens. And, you know, if they are, feel comfortable, they'll just hold the door open for me. 
But as it turned out, because I was kind of like, it's cold, it's early morning, it's cold, I'm in hospital scrubs, you know, which is which is pretty thin material, okay? So I'm basically, okay, well, while I'm waiting, I'm just gonna sit here on the concrete um, by this Range Rover. One of my neighbors has a Range Rover. And just hang out and meditate, shut, close my eyes, and get real calm, okay? And, and you get those cops called on you in a second time, bro. Nah, but that, that, you see, that's where the fear factor, that's where you conquer the fear factor. Well, I'm glad it didn't. I'm glad somebody didn't yeah. look out their window this time and be like, why is there a man? Well, I, 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 yeah, yeah. well I cleverly positioned myself using the Range Rover to block the view of the neighbors so they couldn't see me sitting on the concrete. Maybe only people in my own building could see me if they bothered to look out their windows, which, of course, they didn't. Um, now, as it happened, I had this impulse to, well, what can I try to get myself back in the building instead of waiting around for somebody? I just, well, I went to the garage. You know, the, you know how uh, doors have keypads now that lock up, you know, whether it's a gate, gate like a, a garage door. You got an electronic, you punch in a combination, a certain number of numbers, and then it opens, right? Well, I obviously didn't know the combination, but I tried to punch in some numbers anyway. And I realized, oh, keypad turned red, nothing's happening. Okay, enough of that. So I just went back and sat down on the, on the, on the sidewalk again. <laughs> you know, just, me just, just smooth, meditating, being in the dude zone, basically. And I could feel, because I was, you know, the state of consciousness I was in, it was so high that it, even though I was sitting down uh, like a yogi, I could feel the world seeming to, like, sway or move beneath me. It was the most remarkable sensation. And I, um, it was almost like I was riding the probability waves at that moment. I, you know, you can use metaphors that sound like you know something about quantum physics, and but I don't pretend to know anything. I'm just, an, I'm an artist, okay? So, but I realized that I had an opportunity here to turn whatever happens here into a kind of spiritual practice or a magical practice that might actually have an effect, a visible effect on the pro on how things play out here. So I punched in that number or the made up number into the keypad, nothing happened. And I went back and sat down, just sat. And in a, in a little while, what do you know, a, a white van pulls up outside the building in the middle of the street. And I didn't, I didn't really pay much attention to it. I just sort of like kept on sitting there. And this guy, a, a man dressed all in black, stepped out of the white van and came closer. To the building and he took out a little pad and uh you know like an ipad or whatever and started fiddling with the keypad on the garage that i had just been messing with and clearly i the, the, uh, gradually i realized oh maybe he's from security you know the people who run the security systems and and i just sort of and i stood up in character as a doctor because I looked like a doctor dressed in hospital scrubs. You know, I got my little plastic bag containing my, my um, homeless uh, crazy beggar outfit, just in case I need that. <laughs> but I basically just, 
you know, I was feeling like, um, you know, Dr. Strange from uh, when he was a surgeon getting off his shift. And then the first words out of my mouth were, in fact, long shift. And uh, I asked the guy uh, if he was going in, you know, pointing towards the gate. And he just sort of like motioned me to go and just hang out there. And I said, OK, take your time. And I just hum a happy tune to myself. And pretty soon he's done with the garage and he unlocks the gate without saying a word to me, not even asking me a question. He opens the gate for me, he opens the inner do entrance door for me. I slip in past him and presto, I'm back in my building. And I walk without hesitation down the stairs to my apartment and, of course, you know, open my door because it's unlocked. And I jiggle it a little bit just so he, if he's waiting, he can hear me opening and closing and locking my door behind me. And presto, I'm home. Okay. Now that sounds like a pretty remarkable tale. At least it sounds that way to me. I don't know. What do you I'm glad it went well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Raphael. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a test. And I, and I think I passed it, you know, so <laughs> at least. For that day by pretending to be a doctor well you know i kind of i could be a doctor if, if i make made different choices earlier in life i'm an actor remember i'm an actor in film and tv or i was so and i've been you know, know the role I, play the part you were in the car and i gotta tell you man, well. man, i gotta tell you i've worked in hospitals i've worked with people like surgeons and specialists and you know doctor all the the real world doctor strangers okay so this was all kind of like second nature to me i wasn't even really trying that hard honestly um so getting in the zone where i'm like playing uh, benedict cumberbatch playing doctor strange is like hey i can do that you know and it was path of least so, resistance also it was yeah it wasn't even so much the words out of my mouth it was more like uh the vibe because at that moment the vibe was real you know um so and and if people decide not to dig any deeper and just take me at face value well fine that's their choice i didn't violate anybody's free will by you know trying to make them do anything and i think that's my rules of engagement are you know, when it comes to my antics, you know, if I'm doing anything that seems kind of mischievous in the world, I'm not saying I will, but I'm saying I could, is that number one, do no harm. I mean, it's a basic Hippocratic oath, right? Number two, respect free will. Now, if you can keep that, even an idiot like me can keep those two things in my head, okay? Do no harm, respect free will. Duh! Right. Seems obvious. Raphael, mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious about any of your thoughts on what unfolded. It seems like a rather serendipitous situation. Uh, and yeah, he, like I said, path of least resistance. He didn't give in to fear, so he kept his cool. It, I mean, one could say, well, I hope your security isn't that lax with everybody, but it seemed to work out uh, in such a way that obviously, <laughs> you know, you got in. I like the additional jostling of the handle to make sure any audience members might be more convinced of your role. 
So, mm -hmm. you know, you really kind of took, you know, you imbibed the character, so to speak. Good job. But, Rafa, I don't yeah. know if you had anything um, to say on this. And or we can kind of go in a different direction. But I know that this was uh, something that had happened. And I, I kind of want to know also, uh, Wayne, what your takeaway from this whole thing is. Because now, obviously, you're at home yeah. in that I've had situation. some time. I've had some time to digest all of this, you know, in terms of what does it mean, who I am, you know, what am I doing here? Um, do I have, you know, do I have any new abilities or have I developed any new abilities which um, in turn require a higher degree of responsibility? Again, hearkening back to superheroes, you know, there's that famous line from Spider-Man, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Duh. And I don't even I'm not even going to say just yet whether um, the powers, so to speak, are real or not. They may just go away at any moment. And I might not even know why. Um, but I've seen enough. I've seen enough uh, to that I require no more convincing that there is a kind of higher consciousness uh, at work or at play here or both and um did i describe to you an ex what i would call a highly improbable event um in the last let's see i don't remember the exact date but it was before the hospitalization i'm pretty sure probably the friday before thanksgiving um the week prior in other words um that I, I must not have described the incident with the uh, the, uh, the large mirror on my wall. No. Sounds like oh, some looking glass shit. Okay. Go for it. Now we're talking about we're talking about phenomena, phenomenon here. Okay, uh, I have had this quite large and old uh, two by three foot mirror, uh, which is lightly framed, uh, light wood frame. I got it originally. It was like from you know, back when I was a kid, this was in my living with my parents. Okay, long, long time. I've had this, so I I've hung this. This mirror has been hanging up on the wall of my living room here at home. And I came home one day, um, as I usually do, um, and I found that this mirror had literally fallen off the wall onto the hardwood floor and did not break okay this is four feet down off the wall onto hardwood the frame itself got a little bit dinged on the bottom edge I and mean, I, if i wanted to rationalize how this could have how something so improbable could have happened well i could also rationalize well maybe there was some some of the objects on the floor in the way kind of slowed its descent to a, at a critical moment or yada, 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 you know, but still the fact remains is that why the, why did the mirror even fall off the wall in the first place? You know, I mean, I look at how it happened is like the, the screw mounting where the wire attaches completely got ripped out of one side and the wire itself got snapped it's like whoa how the hell you know i look at this and i look at this and i have no explanation because the thing is the the, the hardware is perfectly strong enough it's not like we're subjecting it to any unusual stresses 
So you see, you could rationalize till the cows come home, but you could also just say, well, maybe it was a sign. <laughs> Have you ever been in that position before, Jim or Rafi? Have you ever wondered, is it a sign? And of what? And from whom? <laughs> right. I think that gets into synchronicity pretty quickly where uh, there's times I made a post about it maybe a few weeks ago. Maybe right around I mean, the time you can imagine, all this. Imagine, yeah. you know, the, um, the, the likelihood of the mirror breaking, I think we could say it was higher, right? And we all know about the superstitious um, vibe attached to mirrors breaking. And again, the fact that it didn't break Against it could be odds. symbolic, right? Where it's it like you're going to have uh, your self-image is going to be dislodged and it it's not going to shatter, you know, you're not going to break. <laughs> could be a sign that, you know, that Eris loves me, you know? Eris, you know, the goddess of chaos or whatever. Because after right. one, of the, one of the key questions that was in my mind during this whole period was how do we create our reality by our decisions and how do we make our decisions when we're faced with a fork in the road you know shall we do this or shall i do that shall i say yes or shall i say no to whatever it is in front of me well how do you work this out there's there's different ways you can work you know come up with your response but you got to come up with a response at some point and you got to commit to it so you can say yes, you could say no, you could say, well, maybe, can I think about it? Can I sleep on it? Can I get back to you? Maybe I could defer to some other person who looks like they really know what they're doing. You know, I'll let them make the decision. You know, you have freedom to make any of those choices or, you know, maybe there's some other one like, let's roll the dice here. Let's kind of just take a chance. Let's leave it to fate. Let's leave it to luck, you know, or let's leave it to God or the higher power, or however you want to conceive it. You see where I'm going with this? This is really, to me, this is like one of those key factors in how um, we can skillfully navigate our, our individual timelines for best results. You know, I think we do have to, you know, one of the key things about our reality map is getting clear about, um, do you live in a world that is ruled by random chance? There is no intention behind or meaning behind any of it, or is it actually filled with meaning, filled with consciousness? And there's maybe there's even this whole hierarchy of, um, you know, angels and other higher beings who are who got your back who are hoping that you will you know hook up with them and you know and then you get to start to play on a much higher level than you thought you could you see where i'm going with this well it's like tron in a sense where i don't know if you've seen the new tron movie where some levels of synchronicity basically lead the son of flynn um to go to his old arcade and then uh -huh. he, you know, starts messing around and stuff, and then he gets zapped into the Tron world, and it's like that wasn't like necessarily going to happen, unless he was participating with reality in a certain way. 
Mm-hmm. So sometimes yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think that at some level, uh, yeah, it's it's tricky because I don't I don't want to make a blanket statement like every event is always working out for you or every event is always chaotic. I think there's probably all sorts of you know levels to well, any yeah, single yeah, event. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah, Raphael, any thoughts about what we've been talking about or where this is going? Hello. It's- you asked <laughs> yes you asked about um well wondering whether anything is a sign or not i would say i stopped wondering i know everything is a sign the only question is to what degree is it relevant in any given moment you know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. very simple and what you point out of course is a very fundamental question that many arguments or ideas or views about uh, life come down to is just what you mentioned whether one sees everything as yeah random whatever this random should then be because also this would have to be explained you know there is a missing link there usually um or whether there is a meaning to it or at the very least meaning can be created you know and that's the joyful activity within itself so um, yeah and a lot yeah. of people tend to cop out with the idea of it being chaotic but it's like there's high there's many degrees of patterns that's what we exist in Right. And that's so, a great point. Maybe just briefly also in terms of all kinds of, you know, let's just say the word for sake of saying it conspiracies. Uh, let's just say only because, uh, someone doesn't see a pattern doesn't mean it's not there. Right. Mm-hmm. The idea mm-hmm. of, um, contact with Jodie Foster comes to mind. It's like she went and experienced 18 hours or whatever, 16 hours of Vega. <laughs> right alien card making contact with aliens or dad in this extra dimensional situation and then what people witnessed in their 3d reality was like you know the bald i mean i'm presuming you've seen this movie um the bald uh through this machine or whatever dropping pretty much immediately no no disparation uh, you know the the time is all yeah, down yeah. for but right, then they go right. back at the end and james woods and this lady are like there's actually 16 hours of blank footage what the fuck and they just like they're like, man, mm-hmm. coincidence, I guess. I mean, you could tell it's like leaving it to the viewer to think whatever, but it's like, uh-huh. that's our decision point. Everything's very magical, and we cannot just think it's all um, some eloquent croquet game. All You know, it's not all cause and effect discreetly the same evidence to each other. Some people mm-hmm. can dilate and time. I mean, you could sit here and have an ecstatic experience or a manic episode, according to science now, but like an ecstatic experience, according to like yogis or whatever, uh, religious mm-hmm. folk. And uh, it can dilate time in a very specific way. Um, or, you know, sometimes time can feel like it's going very, very, very slowly, uh, like when you're waiting for a class to be over in high school or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's reality is not as standardized as we'd like to think. What we're doing is just kind of comparing our, our personal weights and measures to each other and then with language agreeing upon what's typically occurring yeah um picking up where you were what you were saying about time the dimension of time i think um some of the channelers that we've known um, um bashar for sh- most recently and further back in um jane roberts as seth i believe that uh, they addressed the concept of uh, simultaneous time or non-linear time as um the you know the actual scheme of things it just happens that we have a subjective experience of time as being linear and moving in one direction and um 
And of course, and we have a culture that sh- that hammers us in. It's like it's this year. It's this time on the clock. According, you know, yeah, it's yeah. it's three twenty five in Colorado. It's two twenty five in California. Whereas if we didn't have all these kind of like governed systems being implemented upon us, everybody would be in their own time. I mean, that's what animism and shamanism. You know, I just watched a, a Werner Herzog movie for the second time called Cave of Forgotten Dreams, which is kind of fucking mm-hmm. crazy. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. seen it, but basically, there's this cave in France where. Um, some climbers, you know, back in the nineties or whatever, were climbing around looking for vents of air, I guess, to go spelunking. They enter this cave right, right. and they find basically the oldest, <laughs> uh, archeological evidence of like intelligent human life, like 35,000 year old cave drawings wow. and just oh, crazy yeah. shit. I got to see that. I got to oh, no, I'll send you a link. It's on, it's free Thank on you. this documentary yeah. website, but it's beautiful. You, um, and it's very intense. It's not just like, you know, national geographic, like here's the fact it's like very dramatized and kind of like, mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about abysses of time where it's like, in a sense, I mean, there'll be some drawing of a deer and they're getting into shamanism and like how they, you know, operate. Yeah, yeah. People were using these archetypes over multiple millennia and not changing very much so like one drawing is like from you know 30,000 35,000 years ago and the next one's 30,000 years it's like five fucking right. thousand years past and they're still dreaming the same dream and whatever has changed recently i don't i mean based off of all sorts of stuff technology and language and um, globalization and all sorts of stuff um we're just living in a, of a radically different reality tunnel even though we're both physiologically yeah, yeah. the same human beings as those people well, were. well now, this is uh, – I'm going to bake your noodles some more if that's okay because this is good stuff. That's why we're here. Okay. Now, you remember I've told you a story about how I got myself back into the apartment, um, basically posing, cosplaying as a doctor, right? Getting off his shift and just, you know, doesn't want to go home now and lie, <laughs> lie down, literally. Good thing you didn't anyway, oversell it. You're like, man, I didn't have to. I didn't C9 really have to. surgery. <laughs> Yeah, right. I didn't have to say anything. I didn't even have any ID clipped on me and nobody, you know, I, I I had, remember, I still was in my slippers, which is not the conventional footwear for doctors, okay? Um, anyway, as it happens, as it happens, uh, I one of the projects that I'm working on uh, as a writer is um, a screenplay uh, about my father in World War II, and how he escaped the Japanese uh, at the Battle of Bataan. Um, In other words, he managed to miss the Bataan death march by just hours. And it's like an incredible great escape kind of adventure. It is just, when the more I look at it, the more incredible and miraculous the, the ways in which he met people who helped him just at the moment he needed it, uh, it, it and he wasn't wearing mind. hospital garbs. Right. But, but there is blank spots, places in the narrative which, for which I have no records and nobody to ask who was there. So to fill the gaps, I had to rely on my imagination to kind of like create an interesting way of, you know, wrapping up the story, bringing it to a satisfying conclusion uh, you know, there's usually a part in the third act, for instance, where our hero is uh, having to face his ultimate showdown, you know, and he's been doing OK. You know, um, he's been had his setbacks. He's come back. He is better than he was. He is able to handle these obstacles that are, as they come at him. But there's this big, you know, there's the final showdown. 
where he is really going to prove that, you know, and actually do something that he's never really done before. And now he's going to have to make that leap of faith that is going to make all the difference. You know what I'm talking about. That's just natural storytelling, right? Okay. In my screenplay, which is in the, you know, in process, I have an outline. I wrote this outline back in September, October. Okay. Um, in the third act, um, the character of my father um, was in back in Manila. He had made it that far from Bataan to Manila, uh, ha having all kinds of encounters and misadventures. And he's trying to find his family because his wife and his children have been evacuated by the Red Cross. But the locations have been kept secret for everyone's protection. And all, what he has to do is go to the Red Cross headquarters in Manila and present himself and, you know, get somebody to divulge the location of where his family has been given refuge. And just to keep things really exciting, uh, as right on the brink of him finding out this information, a, uh, a Japanese patrol shows up because they're, you know, they're checking everybody out. They're just, they've just conquered uh, Manila and they've just basically conquered the Philippines. So they're basically showing we're in charge now. Everything's going to be fine. And oh, by the way, if you meet any, if you know any soldiers, you know, you better let us know because uh, we can't have soldiers just running around loose. Okay. That's not good. Anyway, so naturally, uh, the moment the patrol shows up, um, dad uh, has to uh, suddenly do something, hide himself. You know, the staff hide him in a, one of those one of the closets where they keep all of the you know the medical gear and the garb you know they're hospitals like full of closets right and he's knows that you know sooner or later those japanese soldiers are going to start searching the place and they're going to find him it's not good it's not good he's looking like a civilian sure he's dressed like a civilian but still this could be like the moment that he the showdown that he doesn't want. And uh, then he gets an idea. He looks across the um, the corridor and he sees his eyes meet the, the doctor who's in the office across from him who's seeing a patient and he gets a brainwave. So by the time, before the Japanese soldiers even get to that closet, he's already committed himself to a completely new plan. He has dressed himself as the doctor with the real doctor playing the role of his patient and the jap and he and he sees the japanese soldiers and you know suddenly he's like in character as the doctor and going what's going on here can i help you gentlemen you know and suddenly you know it's like there has the guy with the highest consciousness in the room he is the one who gets to set the tone and he understands japanese etiquette and how much they require their own, you know, form of respect and uh, to save face, you know, all that stuff. And so he bows to them. He doesn't even have to be asked. He just bows. And, you know, everybody else sees, oh, this is what you do with the Japanese. Okay. And 
And, uh, you know, he talks to the Japanese uh, major or captain or whoever is in charge here. And and it turns out, you know, they're just looking around, you know, it's like, oh, okay. And, oh, by the way, the, the would you guys happen to have any, like, medical supplies that you could donate? I mean, you've been saying that you're here to liberate us and help us out. So, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, to make a long story short, you know. The Japanese officer realizes, uh, I think it was better just, you know, wrap it up here and get out. <laughs> so, so, yeah, uh, it's like everybody just goes after the Japanese leave. They just all go, whew, oh, my God. How did we actually pull that off? Oh, my God. So anyway, life imitating that, art, imitating life somewhat here. Yeah, yeah. I, like I said, I had never even didn't even make the connection between my script idea and what I did um, with the security guy. I didn't make the connection at all while it was going on. It was only afterwards. And that, to me, that is also, by the way, a Philip K. Dick classic experience of seeing your story played out in real time, in, in the real world. That actually, something like that, even in greater detail, happened to him. You, you might have heard about that incident. Uh, a little, the, if you're talking uh, about meeting, meeting, a, meeting a guy at the gas station. I don't um, know so that, much about that one. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, in any case, all that information is out there for any. You know, we can always look that up. By the way, how are we doing on time? Uh, given that you know we are we're operating in the time dimension. Right. We got about 25 minutes. Uh, we do have another guest coming on, so we'll have to cut it at that point for sure. Okay. Do we want to take a break or just keep right on going until we're we're done? That's up to um, If he wanted to play that Bashar thing, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If if he's got it ready, any time is good. But then we'll just yeah. play it now, and that's what we can yeah. talk about in the last. Oh, session. absolutely, absolutely. So this is right. a video originally called "The Bashar Prophecies," also then kind of banned by Bashar Communications or whatever. This is actually the only thing I got strike for. They banned it. They banned everything at some point, uh, just who, because. Who Bashar Communications, the legal department of the Bashar company, let's say, because oh. they said that they don't want all these mashups because it dilutes the message, so on and so forth. Oh. You know, there's a great, you know, thing to say about this and uh, were huge discussions happening. Um, you know, everyone can make up their own minds about this. But, you know, what remains true for sure is information always flows along the path of least resistance. And this is why I have this recording anyways. So, um, basically, here we go. Enjoy. All right. A bit, but most likely, be prepared for the possibility of a contact event in the fall of 2015. What you would call your year of 2017. There shall be... <laughs> The first broad awakenings of the memories of contact that has occurred in and around various cities. People will awaken to dreams that are memories. There will be, at first, psychological confusion at this, but by your year 
of 2020. The dreams will explain themselves sufficiently so that all of these that remember will communicate with all others that recall. And there will be the establishment of communication vehicles, centers, sites on your internet for those that remember the encounters that will reveal themselves in the dreams. Thus then from this year forward, as we have said before, your human race will create 1,000 years more for its existence on the earth in which it will know peace, expansion, creativity, and far less limitation and will become true fourth density beings. And in that thousand years, you will become as we have become and will approach the time and the timing when you will no longer be quite as physical as you are now, when your vibrational resonance and the phoenix frequency will have uplifted you to the idea of that rarefied state you call fourth density where you are quasi-physical, quasi-spirit, quasi-energy. And you will know the malleability and flexibility of space-time and you will know that it is simply your idea within your consciousness. And you will be free to move in that space-time as free as we are. To transcend and transverse and transform all ideas of parallel realities into whatever experience you wish them to be. Into whatever you observe is relevant for you. And at the end of that thousand-year cycle, humans will no longer need to incarnate in that density. And many of you may become the guides and the spirits for those that will come after. For those that will be the new race on your planet. Those that will be the continuation of the expression of the hybrid children that will arrive. And your earth shall become the sixth hybrid race and will move toward a blending and a balance with all other five our civilization included the Yael included and the others that have not been named all together forming a blending that will create the seventh hybrid race of which you will be a part in a variety of ways that you cannot even yet imagine you will transcend and rise above after that thousand years in a new form of spirit being that you will have created along with us, along with all the other beings that will form together the seventh hybrid species. And that will be an unimaginable time of imagination. And you are the seeds of that reality now. The seeds that will rise from the ashes and begin to give birth to the first stirrings and the first stepping stones that will lead to that exploration, to that inspiration, to that unimaginable experience of imagination.
and things that cannot even be described in your language will become your new nature. They do exist within you now as a seed. You will allow them to blossom, if you wish, to a point where it can have an experience and an impact and an effect in your present lives, but it will also lead to a level beyond your comprehension at present. Plant the seeds now in the ashes of those things that no longer serve you so that you will renew not only your individuality but your collectivity in ways beyond description. Be the Phoenix world. Be the Phoenix earth. Be the Phoenix civilization and rise from the ashes you have created of all the limitation you have imposed upon yourself for countless thousands of years. Rise now from those ashes and be free. Even though you may be at the end of one journey, you are at the beginning of the cycle of a new journey that is unfathomable to your present consciousness. And yet, your present consciousness is the seed from which it will arise, from which it will blossom. Whoa. <laughs> to boldly go where no Vulcan imagination has. Oh, man. Uh, to oh, man. Talk about Sink City, man. Um, what you feeling? What, um, what, what Plus, the alien card, I got to say, for the episode. Is yeah, like, yeah, cool. I know, I know. It's, it's uh, not get ahead of ourselves. Here, but to get back to Star Trek imagery. And what Bashar had said, you notice he used the word Phoenix multiple times. Phoenix, rising from the ashes. Okay. What was the name? Here's some Star Trek trivia. What was the name of Zephyrin Cockrum's first warp drive vehicle that um, launched into orbit with a little help from folks from the future, which then resulted in mankind's first contact with the Vulcans? What was that name of that ship, Jim? I have no clue, but I'll wager Phoenix. Just take a wild guess. Just take a wild guess, boy. Phoenix. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, Florida man goes to infinity and beyond. Hold my beer. Well, it seems that's where we're kind of at. Yeah, I haven't seen as much Star Trek as you alluded to. I was a a next generation kind of, I grew up with that on syndication, but I haven't seen that much of it. uh, Well, definitely, definitely to get all the references of um, Star Trek First Contact is the one you want. Okay. I think I saw that with Shatner and everybody in like a weird time. No, 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 this is next generation this is not Shatner's. It's next generation. You get to see uh, Jordy LaForge and Riker and. Uh, but was it a you know, movie? Yeah, it was a feature length film. Yeah. I think I saw it when it dropped. I, that might have been the one yeah, because yeah. it had, I think it had like time loops or something where it's like a few. Yeah, well, it involves going back to the past, you know, future people going back to the past, which is actually our future because it's, you know, later in the 21st century. I think 21st, 22nd. I don't know the dates exactly, but yeah, it involves some some tweaking of the timeline. 
So I saw that kind of what, theater you know. uh, at a lock-in in middle school with a bunch of friends, like a high school or middle school lock-in. Like we're gonna go to a bowling uh-huh. alley and movie theater and shit. Uh-huh. And me and my friends uh, were basically talking the whole time, like Mystery Theater Three Thousand over that movie. So Far I didn't, out. I didn't yeah. really pay attention. I was mocking it, well, over, you know. But it was cool. I'll have yeah, to watch yeah. it just for you, Wayne. Um, oh, yeah. It, oh, yeah. What are some of the kind of things, Raphael and Wayne, what are some of the things that you think tying it together? I mean, I think our psyches are being stretched, just like the Cave of Forgotten Dreams or whatever, um, that movie I'll send you a link to. And I highly suggest people watch it. It's only an hour and a half. It's a fascinating documentary. The music itself, the score, you'll shit yourself. It's like haunting and crazy. It's like some of the most atypical kind of music I've ever heard. Um, and I'm a musician, so it's just like, what? Like, it seemed ah, appropriate. But, um, all right. It seems like uh, humans have gone through many stages of evolution. Like the uh, Cro-Magnons could make artifacts, but they weren't making representative art, like people and like you know half lion, half man things. Or you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't won't go too much into it, but there's like bull woman kind of art, which is like Picasso is doing that. This is um, you know the bull and Persephone, or beautiful Beauty and the Beast, like motifs we've been jamming on as a species for a long time. Um, the song remains mm-hmm. the same, as they say. So it seems like we're kind of upping the ante in terms of the number of crayons in our coloring box and experiences like you've had. I've had mental health stints back in um, 2003. Um, I, I mean, basically, I think there's a lot of levels to it. So, I mean, it wasn't like a pleasant time, so it was kind of uncomfortable. But I think it's our anatomy trying to to get in line with future potentials. Or something like that, and to see, you know, it's kind of like on yeah. Monolith in two thousand one. It's like what monkey's willing to touch this thing? They're going to end up mm. going to space to go to the moon, who, and the people who go to the moon are going to be able to touch the one to go to Jupiter. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like that kind of necessary causality of progression of evolution within a material confine or something. But anyway, I'm rambling. What do you guys? No, uh, how do you want to tie it together? No, it definitely is. Um, the, some of the stress that we're going through, particularly this year, could be considered a form of stretching. You know, you know we're, we're being crowning. We're <laughs> being challenged to to be to you know let go, particularly to let go of what who we thought we were, the limited version, and then embrace the possibility that we actually are kind of like you know uh, superheroes in training, or you know interns of the mystic arts, whatever you want, however you want to phrase it. If you want to take an active role, and I do, I want to take an active role as a, you know, kind of undercover bodhisattva here. Because uh, I'm not interested in obvious, I'm, you, you know me, I think, pretty well by now, that I'm not really too hung up on trying to monetize the feed, so to speak. I mean, I'm going to be a creative person. I do, would like. I would definitely like to have my scripts um, turn into a form of income. You want to have fun with the playground. You don't need to like, I mean, if it capitalizes, cool, but that's not your intention from the get-go. Yeah, I got I you. I in other words, I don't have to play the guru. The guru game, the external human guru um, game is not something I need to participate in. It has its own pitfalls. Um, I think it's more than enough that I just try to look after my close friends, who some of whom are experiencing, you know, real life difficulty. I have my loyalty to my to my immediate friends. I don't have to involve the you know the entire general public to to you know come in and you know make me the oracle. You know what I'm saying? I don't need that. They if they get in touch with their own inner guru, then they don't need me. You know, the best best uh, spiritual teacher is the one who can make himself obsolete, in my opinion. So, um, but wait, 
getting before, you know, while we have this time remaining, I did want to steer us back towards the astro weather for this month, uh, the key dates, what we can do, you know, in terms of spiritual practices, assuming that we would like to take advantage of this situation on the 14th and the 21st. Jim, would you like to do a little capsule summary of what's coming up in the in the celestial forecast here? Sure, I'll do a little drive-by astro shooting. Um, so just for everybody to realize, it's December 6th that we're recording this. Um, we are going to be on the 14th having a new moon eclipse. We've just recently had a full moon lunar eclipse. This next one will be a solar eclipse. Mm-hmm. That'll be on December 14th. Um, and basically, uh, it's the height of Sagittarius, which is where the south node is right now. The north node is in Gemini. So we're, go- we're going into our karma, if you want to put it that way, is shoving us into new ways of communicating, new ways of thinking. And if we're holding on to old beliefs, old stories, um, old truths, it's not going to go as well. But we're kind of wrapping up old stories. We're wrapping up mm-hmm. like entire sagas, essentially. And what we're going to be do, needing to do with this next on the 14th, the new moon solar eclipse is it's really inspiring us to like, go, like you're saying, go inward um, and examine our own personal philosophies uh, where we're going into our inner sanctums and trying to figure out what our spiritual belief systems are from a new perspective. Right. It's, it's establishing there, there, new turf for that. Go ahead. Is there also a, a new moon? Is there a new moon at the same time? Yeah, but because it's an eclipse, it's a little different. During eclipses, I mean, new moons are normally like seed planting time. And I'd say set a bunch of new intentions. And you can still do that, I guess. But at some level, like eclipses are like, just sit through it (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. and see Mm -hmm. what's happening. Because what's going to be needed to get ripped away or given to you to plant is going to be given to you. It's not so much. It's almost like a just hurry up and wait, watch kind of thing Uh as opposed to being like, I have this intention and I'm going to set it because I'm not saying it won't work. I mean, I don't want to be that dogmatic with astrology, but it's like eclipses are weird energy where it's like, I mean, just think of, I wasn't here in America. I was in Switzerland, but in 2017 during that great American eclipse, it's, Mm -hmm. I I wasn't here for it, but I imagine, you know, everything kind of stands still (laughs) and the world, everyone realizes they're in a big, you know, clock. It's a little different than they would normally have assumed um, at at multiple levels. Right. But it's basically instead of like running out there and planting a bunch of new seeds, uh, it's a time to reflect on, you know, your Mm. views, how they're changing, what's changed in 2020, right? Right, Get introspective and like, you know, let your intuition guide you to a new horizon ultimately by kind of just sitting in the, you know, the debris of of the situation. There's actually some painting in the Louvre. Um, I saw it on Hash. I I was back in 2009. I went to Switzerland and then I went to Paris and some guy at the hostel woke me up and was like, do you smoke this like seven foot black dude? And I was like, not cigarettes. And he proceeded to smoke (laughs) me out on Hash or whatever. Then I went to the Louvre and I was like looking at this one painting and I forget the title, but it's like really gripping where it's showing this civilization being sacked. And it's like the last moments of these people with the horror look of horror on their face being like, Uh I guess this is it. And I, I guess that's kind of, I mean, in a pessimistically kind of painted way, that's coming to mind because it's like, what you know, what's dead and gone is not going to work anymore. We cannot. This is not mm-hmm. a Frankenstein resurrection moment. This is a, uh, you know, to boldly go or you know, kind of thing. Yeah, we're going. You no, know, so we're. But before we can kind of launch, we have to make sure the cast and crew are on board. That the, you know, all the doors are locked. The oxygen's flowing. Right. Like we can't just like go. Right. So yeah, that's yeah. kind of the energy of what's going on. And at twenty first. 
which is my mom's birthday actually that's the solstice yeah i know so back in 2012 i was like mom i might be like i don't know um yeah this is where i gotta do a little more research (laughs) because i think i've heard enough rumors where people were like we fucked up the mayans meant this year not that year some kind of glitch in the translation lost in translation kind of thing but ultimately Mm -hmm. what we're doing um there's going to be jupiter and saturn entering aquarius uh, well, mm-hmm. Saturn enters Aquarius on December 16th, 17th on the East Coast, and the 19th. So it's like that is big deal. Like these are like they're going from Capricorn in the world. So Saturn is at exaltation in Capricorn. It's like its home place. It wants to be there. Um, so there's karma, basically debts being paid and karma and re, um, you know the structure, the bones of the world are being tested right now in a big way. Jupiter with Pluto death. Um, also up in there mm-hmm. so it's like i mean that's what we're watching it's like institutions like what's not going to work isn't going to work i just read that visa is actually going to start paying people back with uh bitcoin instead of frequent flyer miles like that's telling you where we're going age of aquarius mm-hmm. um but anyway um basically it's uh it's called the great conjunction right on december yeah, 21st yeah. where saturn and, and jupiter solstice and yeah the solstice. I know, it's just, same you can't write wrong. this shit like it's like it's in the stars it's here <laughs> This doesn't happen very often. It's a pretty rare planetary, you know, occurrence every twenty years. But on top, it, there's just a lot of yeah, levels of and, things. And just in time for Christmas, you know. So it's like, whoa, whoa. I mean, I'm assuming that Christmas, even though, yeah, we don't talk about Jesus's actual physical birth, like it has to be on that day. I don't do even have, think it is technically. I mean, if I want to get like super and, like analytical historically, I think he's probably a Libra yeah, for yeah. some reason because just some things I've read. But anyway, yeah, yeah. these are pagan mythologies put in and Horus and you know all sorts mm-hmm. of crazy stuff. So it's kind of this mishmash thing. But basically, mm-hmm. this great conjunction is going to be signifying like changes for the collective. I mean, it's just bottom line. All this energy mm-hmm. going into like the big powerhouses, which are um, Saturn and Jupiter. Um, they're kind of big deals, <laughs> big energies. Um, yeah. they're going into Aquarius, like I said, at that point, they'll all be there. And then we're going to all be inspired to be dealing with unconventional ways of thinking, focusing on community. At that point, we're going to be implementing kind of, you know, that, that's maybe to me, maybe somewhat the Dolores Cannon split where it's like, what team are you on? Like, mm. do you want to be in Slytherin? Do you want to be in Hog- a Ravenclaw? Do you want to be in, you know, Gryffindor? Where do you want to be? Mm-hmm. Jedi Sith, mm-hmm. like you, and it's mm-hmm. okay, which we'll be talking about on the next episode in four minutes or whatever, um, about the Evelyn mm-hmm. Thabbles of Thoth, because I think there's a dark brotherhood. But it's saying, you know, constantly, Rafa, I don't know if you heard it again. I listened to it last night and this morning. Um, you know, it's a choice. It's all one thing. But there's, you know, it's better to be on the side of love than division, ultimately, even though they serve functions within itself. <laughs> anyway, I guess I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, no, no, no. This it's, is all it's, good. It's really good. Yeah. So, I mean, Capricorn season starts December, right around December 21st, right? Kicking in on to Cap season. Um, and... Yeah, well, you see, this is one of those situations where anybody um, like you and me or anyone listening would be asking, gee, um, is there something I could be doing this, you know, uh, this month or during this particular season that's going to um, uh, help whatever this process is? And I'm pretty sure there is, actually, because if I'm superimposing uh, or overlaying um the sacred calendars like you know the christian calendar or the um, tibetan lunar calendar i'm going hey you know what we have some opportunities for spiritual practice we always have opportunities but these are very special opportunities yeah yeah yeah. 
Exactly, exactly. That's why, you know, extra. I don't yeah. know. I guess if I was to kind of suggest anything to anybody, first of all, because this is ironically all happening, it's Sagittarius season, but that's in, in alignment. The sun is almost going to be conjunct soon. It's not right now, but with the south node, which is like where we have been. It's like start coming to peace with the fact that some stories you've been playing, some stories we've been playing as a species for years, decades, generations, millennia might be wrapping up and we're going to be telling ourselves news stories so be like mm. willing to flex into that, but at the same time, um, it's all good. I mean, you don't like kind of like your dad was very adaptive in in the fictionalization of what you how you filled in the gap or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And and you mm-hmm. were kind of improvising, so it's not so much being in fear. In fact, I don't. I think fear is going to hurt the situation. So uh, ultimately, I mean, people need to just realize that we're starting to really wake up as a species. I mean, this is not a joke. Um, yeah, yeah. And this is what, you know, many, whether it's Hopi prophecies or Bashar or the Bible or whatever, Shambhala prophecies, like uh, all these things have been pointing to a time when we start changing in a very fundamental way. And it's not to say that we haven't been doing change over time. Change is constant. The I Ching is, always, you know, the Tao is always howling. Ch- you know, the book of change is always is doing that. Like life is change. But there's certain times when they're like threshold events through Aeon, you know, shifts Ships mm. in, you know, from one house to another, kind of thing, one building to another, um, from the hospital, one hospital to another, kind of thing, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, we're getting transported. It's a moment to kind of keep your cool. Uh, ultimately, I think I would, you could watch the news and stuff without, if you feel like it, but I, I, getting in tune with what you feel is true, and you're going to have to start becoming courageous with your truth, whether it's like valid in the eyes of others, ultimately, or not. And then we're going to mm-hmm. see where the chips lie, I guess, ultimately. But that's kind of where we're going with all this energy. Yeah, yeah. Well, if I was going to um, mention the uh, the calendars, the ones that we're, you know, where we have reference points through the year. Well, you know, we're in the season called Advent. You, you've already, you grew up in Christianity, Jim. So, and I assume Raphael is familiar with Advent as well. Um, and as it happens... The the days that we had just been talking about the fourteenth and oh, yeah, twenty first traditional are the are frame. actually the days right after the the third and the fourth Sundays of Advent. Okay, that's kind of cool. Um, other thing that is of interest to me anyway, because I was you know studied with the Buddhists, is that uh, December the fourteenth, um, because it's a new moon day, at least, you know, if we're going by the regular lunar calendar, they also, they designate that as uh, Sakyamuni Buddha Day. Uh, they call it, you know, they, they might single out particular days in the lunar calendar of every month for special, you know, um, as days in which your practice merit can be multiplied. You know, in other words, you will... Imagine, you know, if the effect you would get normally gets multiplied thousands of times over on these particular on these particular days. So they would call that, hey, pretty auspicious. Why don't we all plan to get together and do something that day? You know, so that's something that I never, you know, I didn't really take that seriously back in the when I first started with the Tibetans. But now that I've seen what I've seen, I kind of go, well. I can I can work that into my schedule. Sure. 
It's, it's in the grand <laughs> schedule anyway. You might as well yeah, tune into the yeah. movie. It's yeah. like you could improvise your script as much as you want, but the director's got the final cut, I guess. So, um, and it's funny, the thing that comes to mind, Raphael knows a lot about, we've done episodes on uh, Dark Crystal, which is on Netflix. Uh, that's all about a grand, great conjunction. I mean, that's kind of what we're going through here. Mm, um, so it's yeah. big times, folks, and everyone should do their research and kind of figure out how they want to navigate that. But ultimately... Um, yeah, you will. You will feel that there's a choice point, and you will have the choice to either hold on to old stories or move into new ones. And I'd highly suggest letting that which is buried remain dead. You know, like let it die. Yeah, and like see yeah. where it goes. So yeah, there's uh, all kinds of metaphors, man. You can take it, look at it like big waves. Big waves coming. You know, you're gonna let it wash over you. You can ride it. You can learn how to surf. Right. So. And you were saying like? you wanted to be an undercover bodhisattva. Bodhi is the character from Point Break who uh, is pretty cool. <laughs> so, okay. Wayne, we got to get going, yeah. but uh, okay. it's been a pleasure cool. as always. Thanks for stopping by. I hope we uh, helped you kind of process some stuff. And, oh, man, it's, um, it's always a pleasure. It's all, it's, it's, this has probably been the best yet, honestly. I mean, I hope you enjoyed it too. Always. And, uh, yeah. Any parting thoughts? No, man. Oh, well, you know, I mean, if you want to keep it simple, uh, you know, my motto is, as always, love more, fear less. I mean, that's easy. Maybe it's not easy, but I'm recommending it. <laughs> so, it's highly practical. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if we're in, in a position of ever finding ourselves in conflict or in opposition to something, some adversary, it's really all about fear. It's really, that's what it really, that's what we're really fighting. It's not each other. It's, uh, and I think that the love is always there if you're just willing to recognize it. And I am. I'm going to try to recognize the, the unity and the love every chance I get. So that's what's up. I'm glad yeah, you're a godfather it. in the form of a white van iPad <laughs> carrying security guard. Yeah, uh, yeah the, man, the man in black. The man in yeah, black exactly. helped me out. <laughs> Well, that's what's up. <laughs> Wayne, it's been a pleasure always, folks. Uh, drive safely in life, but you get to pick where, you know, where we're going, there are no roads. So enjoy the mm -hmm. fucking ride. And, you know, sky's the limit. It should be interesting where this all goes, but we go yeah. together. So hopefully you guys remember that. Yeah, to infinity and beyond. Thank you so much, <laughs> Wayne, for joining. Thank you all for listening and catch y'all next time. Enjoy. Radio Okie Talk Talk